Hey everybody, welcome back to the Reclamation Podcast, where our goal is to help you reclaim good practices for faith and life. Today's episode 68 of the podcast, I get to sit down with author, pastor, speaker, Deborah Pegay. Deborah, in her new book, Lead Like a Woman, talks about some of the unique quality traits that women have that are needed in the workplace. This was such a good conversation. Guys, I'm going to tell you, don't skip this episode. Take some time, listen to what Deborah has to say, and how we can be a voice and an advocate for the women in our lives. As somebody who's raising a princess, I know how important it is to help give her a strong voice. And I would imagine that there is a woman in your life that you want to empower and embolden as well. And this is a great way to do that. So you can become part of the Reclamation community by texting the word RECLAIM to 66866. Sign up for our weekly email list. We'd love to get information out to you. Information like like the very exciting news that we are now partnering with ChristianBooks.com. That's right. The largest online retailer is a partner of the podcast. And if you shop through our affiliate link, you support the podcast. And it's a great way to save money on the gifts that you were going to buy anyway. So uh, I'm big fan of ChristianBooks.com. You can pick up Deborah's book there, any of the books that we talk about on the podcast. That's part of the reason why we partner with them, because they just have so many things. Finally, if if you uh, enjoyed our conversation today with Deborah, if you felt connected, if there was a part that you like, do me a favor, share it on social media, get the word out about what God is doing through the podcast, uh, leave a rating, a review, wherever you listen to podcasts, it really does help people connect with us. So without any further ado, here's my conversation with Deborah Pigay. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Reclamation pod, uh, Podcast. I'm so excited today to have uh, Deborah Pigay here with us, and she is an author. Uh, she's a pastor. She's a motivational speaker. Deborah, thank you so much for being here today. Well, it's my joy to be here. Um, Deborah, y- you are putting out another book, this one called Lead Like a Woman. This is your, am I right? Is this your 18th book? Yes, it is. I can't believe it. <laughs> You know, as somebody who enjoys writing, uh, one of the things I'm curious about is how how does God talk to you about what's next in terms of your your book writing process? How, how did how was this one born? I, I'm curious because, uh, and this might j- just be for me because I, I love to write, but like, how do you get into a rhythm of writing all the time? Well, first of all, I look around me. I look in the culture and see what what are the mm-hmm. problems we're we're facing. So I say, what problem can I solve that I that I, I'm aware of. And, and I, so I'll just ask God, what What do you want me to say? And I jokingly say when people ask me what I do, I said, I'm God's typist. I, I, I sit down and I say, what you got? And I do research, but he gives me that broad outline of this is what I want to cover. And that's what happened with the with the current book. It's just like there's a message out there. I had read something that said it would take 200 years for women to find equality uh, in in pay and otherwise. And I thought, oh, that's too long. We got to we got to get on a faster track. So I just began to ask God to you know show me what do you want me to know? He says, I've already made women leaders. Like well, you have, <laughs> so, <laughs> okay. So I, it, it is amazing, Tony, how he speaks. He really does, and I'm so glad that we can talk freely about that. Right before I came on with you, I was on a secular broadcast and had to tiptoe around talking about God. But I know that I'm most effective talking about God because I believe the Bible is just the base, the best book on business and life, all of that. So thank you for being who you are today. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's certainly my pleasure. Um, One of the questions I love to ask people, especially um, someone who's listened to God as much as you have, 
which is, is how, how do you hear God? Because I think that there are a lot of people who feel like God doesn't speak. And, and I wonder um, from your experience, how does someone step in to that, um, letting God be that voice in their life? So that maybe the, I mean, maybe they're called to be the next typist. Yes, and it, it requires something that we all we all get the same amount of, and that's time. And mm. I can tell you, that's a challenge for me to sit still because I'm such an active person. But I have found my best revelations come when I am sitting still. And I'm going to give you an example. I was working on this church. Uh, I worked to see up at a major mega church, sixty-six million dollar project. It was fourteen-hour wow. days. I came home every night from the office like about ten, and I would go to my computer and I just say. Oh, God, speak to me. And just I'm just quiet. And one night he led me to write on five ways to accept criticism. I don't go. I don't go over them. The point is that he spoke to me and they all started with the letter L. I mean, how do you get that creative after 14 hours? (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, get out of here. You know, sometimes I'm I'm typing so fast. I'm like, hold on, hold on. (laughs) You know, but it speaks to me through thoughts. But that means I got to get quiet. And I can tell you even now, I don't get as quiet as often as I want to. But I know that when I want something good from God, I got to sit there a minute. And sometimes I sit there with the Bible open. And then other times I just listen, pencil and paper in hand. I'm from the old school. I'll just get my pen out and I'm ready to write. And sometimes he doesn't speak right away. And sometimes it's just a word. But it's amazing what he does when we just listen and come with that expectation. I expect him to speak. I really do. Yeah. I, I think that that, um, I think that's a part where a lot of people miss is the expectation part, mm-hmm. but, um, we, we don't have, and that, that's really a faith issue. I mean, in, in the sense of like expecting God to speak is having faith that he will speak. Yes. Yeah. Um, in the COVID time has turned into a warp, right? It's yeah. been weird. It's, it's been, been weird. weird. It's been weird. It's been weird. And you hear a lot about uncertain times. And mm-hmm. I always tell everybody, I'm, it, God's not uncertain. So I'm focusing on the surely scripture. Surely goodness and mercy is going to follow me. You know, that's I, that's my mindset. I just want to keep the joy and I want to show others in the world who are looking at Christians, how are we going through this? I say this is our finest hour. Mm. I, I, I think we're poised for revival personally. Like I think, I think the next revival and it'll be a disciple making revival. Mm. Um, it'll be a revival that calls people to, to personal and intimate relationships. And so it, it's clear to me through your writing and just through looking at your body of work that you've kind of figured out that balance. Um, what are your daily disciplines that you do to stay connected to the source of your writing? Well, I start with worship and, uh, uh, I know that it, I, if I exalt God above all this going on in the world, because otherwise I'll get stuck watching CNN and and and, and Fox and <laughs> where I'm trying to get a balanced view of the news. You can watch that stuff all day or you can stop. You can say I'm just going to look at a little bit of that. So I'm kind of in the know. But it starts with just worship, exalting God above everything else. And then the word is alive. Uh, when I open the Bible, I expect to get something. So I have my little journal that says God said I wrote on the front of it. God said so these are my notes for today, what God is saying. And recently he's been just dealing with me on my own biases because I I wrote this piece on how whites and blacks can bridge the racial divide. And one of the things I challenge people to look at their biases, then he was, the Lord was reflecting on me. He said, look at yours. They may not be racial, but you have biases. I I do have biases and I didn't realize it, that I judge people by how fast they get around, how fast they move. It's like, if you really slow, take forever to get to the point, I'm like, oh Lord, you know, (laughs) it can't be on my team too slow. (laughs) <laughs> really? You're going to miss somebody really good. If you, <laughs> you see what I'm saying? Oh, no, I thought you were talking to me. I, I didn't know if God, maybe God gave you that word for me. Cause I like to go, I like to go a hundred miles a minute. Yeah, too. Yeah. I, 
Yeah, I got two speeds fast and off. And right. so, <laughs> so, but I, I'm looking at this thing and saying, what is what is God saying? So that my disciplines are then to uh, worship, to, to, to read the word. And you hear this all the time, but people need the Bible. You don't hear a lot of people these days quoting scripture and you don't have to quote scripture just for the quoting of it. But listen, it reinforces your faith because faith comes by hearing. I encourage believers and non-believers to really get some scriptures up for this time. I, I'm, I'm, I, again, I'm looking at surely goodness and mercy will follow me. And Psalm 91, he shall deliver you from the snare of the, of the fowler. You know, that kind of surely he'll do that. Surely. So I'm saying God is sure. He's a sure thing. He's not uncertain. And these aren't unprecedented times. There, were, there have been plagues from way back when. And so <laughs> we just got to make sure we're we're not in that space. And, we, and some of us will have to go through it. I have a niece right now battling with COVID and she's in the hospital. And um, but see, my expectation is that God's going to heal. What's her name? What's and her name? Dana. I know that. name is Dana. Dana. OK, I know yeah. there's a lot of people who listen who love to pray. And so maybe. Yeah. If you're listening, you could just say a quick prayer for Dana because yes. uh, I think the more that we can get specific with our prayers on, on things like this, oh, yeah. the more we can battle this back. And so, I, yeah, what's it like? What's it like releasing a book in COVID? You know, you're going to have to have a lot of faith because I'm thinking nobody's buying. Uh, most of my books are sold in public places like airports and places where people gather, uh, yeah. non- non-religious places. And, you know, I'm so glad you asked that because it's like the enemy to make you get anxious to say nobody's going to buy this book. It's going to come out. And you're going to sell two copies. <laughs> but, <laughs> but my expectation is of God. And I like that that scripture that says in Psalm 62, 5, um, my soul wait only upon God. My expectation is of him. So I don't have to have my normal sources. And I want to get used to I don't want to get used to relying on a big interview over here, a big one there. I have one that I think I'm about to cancel where at one point at one time I could talk to six million people. And I thought, ah, and somebody said, you're going to cancel that. I'm thinking I might if God says so, because that's the one thing we got to do as disciples. We have to model what faith looks like. And we get our eyes on man's efforts and we figured it all out. I got to have this many interviews. I got to cover this many people. If I'm going to sell a hundred thousand, I got to cover this. Listen, we need to quit trying to figure it out. We got to quit bringing God down to the level of our thinking because we're going to miss a lot if we do that. I, I love that. I, I also really appreciate the way that you are able to keep um, feet in both arenas, the secular arena and the faith arena. Because I, I think a lot of people miss the opportunity to do ministry because they think it has to be through a church. And one of the things that I see in your in your work is that um, ministry is wherever you're planted. H- how did you develop this mindset? Uh, I mean, obviously you've worked for some major organizations, um, it, you know, from all accounts, you've been a faithful woman your entire life. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, how do we, h- how would you tell somebody who's listening, who feels like they can't talk about their faith in their, in their work and, and yet they're a faithful person? Well, and I'd say you don't have to talk about it. Just like uh, light travels faster than the speed of sound, mm. just what they see is is going to be even better. So you have you have a principled life. You be you you're known as a uh, a principled person, and uh, and I, I I don't apologize about quote. Uh, they say, oh, she's religious. Well, nobody really accuses me of that because I don't try to shove God down people's throats. I don't give them a track. <laughs> I just I I'm the track. I just try to make sure that they see God. I want them to see the joy. I want this. I want them to see me when I'm discriminated against and I don't get a bad attitude. I just keep going forward. What do I need to do to qualify for that? 
if I didn't get the promotion, okay, I'm going to still be a team player and not going into a funk. Oh, that's not a bad word. I'm not going into a funk. I'm just going to keep moving forward. And I'm assertive like that. So I don't want people to think that Christians are just like little Casper Miptoast people. Well, right. Lord, well, listen, I will ask. I am assertive. And I'll give you an example. I was working somewhere uh, on a big project and there was a guy, I won't call his name or anything, but his function was to be in charge of construction. In the board meeting, they voted to give him a huge bonus. He had he had hired uh, independents to help him with his work. I had worked many hours just getting this thing together, negotiating the largest loan ever extended to a church in the country, blah, blah, blah. So when they finished giving the guy uh, his, his bonus and told him, yeah, we awarded you the bonus and nobody said a thing about me. I said, oh, I'm going to step out now and give you space to talk about my bonus. Did you get the bonus? I did. And Tony, yeah, you did. Tony, the, the silence was so thick you could have cut it with a knife. <laughs> well, I, uh, I didn't get an attitude. I just, I'm like, surely, surely you want to give me one. You just forgot about it, whatever. <laughs> I had a mentor who used to say, don't confuse being Christian with being soft because okay. Christ was never soft. Not at all. Never soft. Yeah. That's why I want women to know that. I want Christian women to know that you can have confidence. You can ask for what you want because most women don't ask. And then the others go to the other extreme. They feel like they need to manage like a man. When you can still bring be, be all those things that God has given us, he's given us that ability to mm. be uh, cooperative and, and uh, you know, collaborative when we work as a team. Uh, women, women do that very well. We're servant hearted. We don't really worry about the ends too much. We, we like bringing people together. These are inherent traits God has given us. And so we just got to embrace them and manage them. Don't take them over to the other side so far. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, what, one of the w- things I, I love about the way that you wrote the book is it's really broken into two big parts. If you haven't gotten a copy yet, uh, and it's not inherently faith-based, although it's got a faith bent to it, that if if you know, you know. If you don't know, then you're just like, wow, this is a lot of wisdom. But uh, the the first part is what to embrace. And the second part is what to let go of. Yes. Now, yeah. I'm I'm curious, as I was looking at that, is there, um, and I feel like there is kind of a, a thought process behind, do we need to embrace something new before we let go of something old? No, I think it's, you, I, I think you do them at the same time. And what I say, when I say that is for instance, I, and what I'd like to do just, and I don't mind quote, giving away the book when I say that, but I, yeah. I want to just give you the 12 things. I'm just going to name them. Sure. 12 traits that God has given to women. Okay. I'm going to read them really fast. We are collaborative. We're emotionally savvy. We're nurturing, communicative, Intuitive, persuasive, resilient, flexible, vulnerable, servant-hearted, principled, and resourceful. These are attributes that God has put in us. If we embrace that, it positions us to excel. And then on the side that I'm saying, stop it. (laughs) (laughs) We're lacking in confidence. We, We pursue perfection. We disfavor other women, you know, have that limited mentality that says, I want to be the only woman in the culture or in the environment. Uh, we, we, we multitask too much. We downplay our personal skills and accomplishments. We are more likely to forsake a work-life balance to get it all done. We lack executive presence. Oh, I, I can talk all day on that one. Mm-hmm. Speaking like a weekly, not speaking up with authority, like this may not be a good idea. I'm down with that. Failing to engage constructive criticism. You can tell a man all day long what he did wrong. He's fine with that. They go play basketball later. We sulk, pout, lick our wounds. We expect instead of asking, that's a bad thing. We neglect to build an effective network. We think network networking is not uh, uh, genuine. So we I don't want to be networking. Listen, God uses people. And lastly, we must understand the male mindset. So that's my, I know that was pretty fast, but that's the no. you to get the book. <laughs> 
<laughs> those are the things I, I talk about. And, and it is scriptural, but I don't use too many. My publisher says, we know you like a lot of scriptures. Don't put a lot of scriptures in this book. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, so th- there were there was one from each section that I highlighted that I okay. wanted to hear, hear your thoughts on. Okay. Um, and then I'd love to hear which one. It sounds like you've got some thoughts about executive presence, and I want to hear that too. Um, t- talk to me about being emotionally savvy, because that that was uh, one of the things that I think that um, I, I think women do really well. But why is it important to embrace it, and what what does it look like practically to embrace it? That means we understand other people's emotions. When you're emotionally savvy, you understand what's working in you, but you also have this empathetic mindset that says, I, I see what that person is feeling. You know, they're feeling inadequate or they're feeling rejected. So we want to make sure we, we kind of embrace them. And so that's what that's about. It's not about crying or not crying. And I tell every woman, listen, if you feel like you're in a situation where you're feeling like you need to cry, I say, you can cry, but just know it's what the impact is going to have. They're going to think you're not ready for a high level position. But even when you do have how do you salvage your reputation when you couldn't help crying? I said, when you finish, you look straight ahead and say, well, you can see I feel pretty strongly about that. <laughs> <laughs> so being emotionally savvy is really a, is, is like that, identifying with the emotions of other people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and one of the interesting things, I follow a lot of leadership blogs and podcasts, and um, sometimes these skills are called the soft skills, right? Even though they're they're hard to put your hands around, I think. Um why do you think now more than ever before these soft skills are really coming to the forefront in the workplace for, for men and women? Because more women are in the workplace. But here's the deal. They have Harvard, all the major universities have done studies and they show that when you have a woman at the table, people are more engaged in the company because people want to feel like pe- people care about them. And so when you have an engaged employee, you're going to have your bottom line is going to be even better. Even mm. companies who just have a woman on the board they're finding that consistently across the board, their, their bottom line is better. And so companies who are wise wake up and say, hey, these are the traits that we need to build a company because again, you know, pe- we need people. You know, we don't just have all computers. We have to have people and people need to feel like they're a part so that they can really engage, bring their creativity. And that's what a woman does. Not everybody. So it's not a broad brush. But if we really listen to God and, and understand what he's put in us, we bring these, we, we bring these things to the table. We did. Uh, I, I agree completely. And um, the the other area that I wanted to talk about in terms of what to let go of is the um, forsaking balance, right? And, uh, and kind of like, because I, I, I see that, um, I see that all the time with uh, women that I know of. And then I also see that with men, um, especially pastors. Pastors have this just strong desire to forsake balance um, in the efforts of a righteous mission. But uh, talk to me a little bit about that. And and, and how do we go to the process of letting it go when they feel like there's so much pressure? Well, we got to know, first of all, what, what are God's orders? I love that passage in Mark where Jesus was praying and they came to him and they said, Jesus, everybody's looking for you. Mm. I think this, the scripture says all men seek thee or whatever. But I know what Jesus says. And he says, but I have to go into the next town uh, to preach. This. That's what I've come. Uh, that's what I've come for. Priorities. God gives you the priority. When you start owning your ministry and not knowing that you're just a manager of it, that's where you get into trouble because now we're trying to meet other people's expectations. We're trying to avoid their rejection. If we're not there every time they say one of the best things you can do as a leader is to uh, communicate your boundaries. And, th- and then implement them. Let people know these are my boundaries. I have a pastor friend and he called his house after eight o- 8.30 or 9. 
you have a message that says, oh, I probably headed to bed. I'm trying to be a good steward of my body. <laughs> I love that. And he goes on vacation. See, if you don't, if you stop letting people's expectations make you a puppet, you know, and, and you establish that people will respect you and you show them how to do life. And so a lot of women, because we're, we're so servant hearted, see, that's taking it to the extreme until we we like the accolades. You know, we'll be the martyr. We'll we'll stay at work the for 14 hours a day. But my husband is so balanced. It's like that old dog ain't going to hunt. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we have boundaries, you know, even when and I, you and you guys have been married for what 40 years? 41 whatever you got. years. 41 oh, years. 41 years. Yeah. What's the secret to staying married that long? Uh we're both in step with God. When this is what we say. Uh uh everybody who's in step with the drum majors in step with God. And that comes from an incident I had where I was just I had no rhythm. I was trying to be in the band, and the and finally the band director said, Hold on. He said, Listen, just keep your eyes on the drum major. Everybody who's in step, the drum majors in step with each other. And I took that as a principle of life. So my husband and I, when we're clashing, and it's been tough being in the house. We both work in the house together. For Ooh, amen. That, that'll preach. <laughs> <laughs> but, but we're talking about it. Let's see if I'm if I'm feeling perturbed. Maybe we just need to go for hmm. a walk. You know what? What is it? I'm, I sense you're being short. Uh, what is that? What's driving that? You know, we can talk without yelling. We've never had a yelling argument. We really haven't. We've never. We don't have yelling arguments. I said I can hear and he can hear. There's no need to raise the volume. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I wish I could learn that with my kids. <laughs> <laughs> now, kids. <laughs> Uh, so if, if somebody's ready to start setting some of these boundaries or let go of some of these things that, that you talk about in, in the book, w- what's the first step? Like if they don't know where else to start, h- how do you get the courage to say, you know what, I'm not going to stay past six tonight, or I'm not going to give up that rehearsal, or I'm, I'm not going to give up that lunch with the kids or, you know, whatever. Yeah. You, you don't have to say it, just do it. <laughs> <laughs> someone calls you, you don't see, you need to learn to turn that phone off. Or if you see mm. a number, you know, that's work related. And they said, we tried to call you. We couldn't get you. Oh, I turn my phone off after six. When I'm with my kids, I have to make sure that I'm, I'm connected to them. So traditionally I just turn it off. So, so you sent the message, like nobody don't call me on the weekends for working, but see, we teach people how to treat us by what oh. we tolerate. So if you've taught people that you have no boundaries, you can call me anytime. And I've been in that space. People knew they could call me at my office at nine or 10 o'clock when I worked at a church. And you know, and you, when you're working for the Lord, you just feel like God is really pleased with you doing that. But Jesus, again, set the example. He was always saying, let's go away. Let's get away. We, let's go to the other side. Let's do this. The solitude was his secret. If you don't know that's your secret, you you stay out of solitude for a long time and see how short you're going to be with <laughs> That's uh, it's so true. <laughs> you know it's true. You know, Tony, you know it's the truth. <laughs> uh, talk to me Talk to me a little bit about I- executive presence and um and and I kind of want to approach this from two ways. Number one is is how does somebody step into it, and then um, so if we can just be really honest here, as a white male, it's not something that I've ever struggled with because most of the time, most of the people in the room look like me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so h- how do I cre- how do I um, how do I create space for women colleagues or, or or even just minorities or people of color? How do I create space for people who don't have the same um, abilities that I do because you know you know I'm trying do, to say I'm I do, saying I it do. well, but no, and 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 the reason you're struggling with executive presence because nobody defines it. 
Right. Right. You don't have it. And they'll say, well, she's not ready. She doesn't quite have the executive presence. Well, what does that mean? Nobody has the courage to say Mm. you don't sound strong. You don't sound like a person of authority. You don't present yourself as a person of authority. And I want to I want to say this to women, because a lot of times, especially in the secular environment, women will dress a little bit more um, alluring. And 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 totally sabotage their image. They 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 you know yeah you may be getting attention, but nobody's saying she's probably a very competent woman. They're looking at something else. Mm. And so I say it's, it's on how you sound, how you look, and how proficient you you are. So I say it's your presence. What what does that look like? Um, do you dress like a little kid with the little you know frimpy frilly clothes, or are you going to have on a a power suit when you need to have on a power suit with a structured jacket? Do you speak up? Do you say it with authority when you're sure about something? Do you apologize for being smart? You don't have to apologize for being smart, but you need you need to speak up and be heard. I sat on a board once with a woman who just we could hardly hear her, you know. And I'm thinking, you need we don't hear you. We don't hear you. You don't have to yell, but you need to speak loudly enough so that you sound like a person of authority and know what you're talking about. Now, listen, women don't have a problem knowing what they're talking about because most most women have more qualifications than the men. But we've been taught not to show confidence because that's not ladylike. You know, you see, that's not ladylike. And the men set the rules. But you see, that's how you have to subtly transcend these these stereotypes. And you can still say, I I believe based on research, I believe this is the best route. You don't have to say I may be wrong. If you're wrong, it'll turn out to be wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so it's a matter of the words you choose. And I always say, ask God to give you the words. His words prosper. I love saying that. Isaiah mm. 55, you know, when his words go forth, they prosper where he sends them. So I say, God, give me your words so that I speak with authority. And people tell me all the time, they said, oh, you seem so confident. Well, that's because I don't try to walk in self-confidence. I walk in supreme confidence. Confidence oh, means oh. with trust. Yeah. If, if you have self-confidence, that's with trust in self. The Bible says, if you trust in yourself, you are full. Now that's a scripture, Proverbs 28, 26. <laughs> you want to get that one down. But yeah. you want to you be able to, even when a guy takes your point, this happens so much in a meeting, you got to be able to get that point back without sounding like a, what the world calls a bee. <laughs> so, right. you know, and I see it happen all the time, Tony. And I just feel so bad for women. They just shrink. You know, they'll, they'll put forth an idea. Everybody's like, oh, whatever. And then a man comes right behind them, says it louder, better. <laughs> and they go, that's a good idea. And you're thinking, that's my idea. So I'll, you know what I'll do when somebody does that to me? I do this. I'll say, thank you, John, for your support on that. When I mentioned that to you, I, I have also done some more research since then. So thank you so much for your support on that. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how do you, how do you get someone, uh, how, how do you, how do you step into that space for the first time? If you've never done it, is, is it really just doing it one time? Just like just taking a big gulp of Holy spirit and courage and going, Yes, you get over the fear. I like what Goliath said. I love the story of Goliath. I go back and read these stories just for my own personal application. He told David, he said, he told the he told the Israelites, if you fight me and kill me, we'll be your servants. In other words, I say, imagine that's the giant of fear. It is saying, if you resist mm. me, then I I'll serve you. You don't have to serve fear. You can make it, you can make it your serve. You say, no, I'm not doing that. So you do it. You just do it. You know that slogan that Nike has, just do it. You just yeah. you try it one time. You'll be like that song that says each victory will help you some other to win. <laughs> each time you do it, you grow stronger and stronger. I think the first time I asked for a raise, I was like, oh, man, I, I didn't want to say I'm going to quit if you don't give it to me. But I just said, I, you know, based on what I'm doing and I see the contribution I'm making, I'm going to need a 20 percent raise. I requested that. I, I really feel like that would put me in the range where I need to be. 
And they hem hard about it. And I'm thinking like, okay, now, you know, if I leave, that's going to really be, I didn't say that, but I'm thinking like, I, I perceive that my merchandise is good. You see, that's why I like to use those scriptures because women can step on the scriptures, embrace them. In Proverbs 31, it says she perceiveth that her merchandise is good. You got to, you got to perceive, you have to know within yourself what you bring to the table. Yeah, no, I, I love that. That's good. Okay, so h- how do I um, how do I make space to make sure that that happens? Do as a as a as a guy in the room, do I do? Am I call should them? I? Yes, you should. You should. You know why? Because a lot of women just aren't, they are just not there in that in their boldness. And you can ask a woman, "What do you think? What's what? What's your what? What do you think our approach should be?" And when you see a man cut a woman off, you need to be able to say, "I want I want I want to hear from I want to hear Sally's point on that." Um, go ahead, Sally. You know, you, you got to have, we need men to help us because a lot of times what I'm finding, men aren't even aware that they're doing that. They're just being men. They're just being men. So I don't, right. I don't hate men for doing that. I, that's why I say, I don't, I want men and women to work together. We don't, we don't, we need to work hand in hand, not hand to hand combat. We want to be hand in hand because we, we have to be fruitful together. And when God gave that mandate, see, it started out this way. When he told Adam and Eve, be fruitful, fill the earth. Neither one of them could fulfill that mandate alone. <laughs> that's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. They had to work together. So look for ways to work with men and get men on your side and, and interact with men. I don't I don't see men as the enemy. I see them as a as a as a helper, a, a cohort. And so you treat them like that. But I'm asking men to recognize that society has programmed us not to be confident, not to ask, because it's just not ladylike. And see, so uh, some women mm. will go from one extreme to the other. So they'll come in like like blockbusters and guys don't like that. <laughs> They're like, what's her problem? <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to take advantage of uh, the fact that it's uh, my podcast to ask a personal question okay. on my behalf. I have an eight year old princess, right? And uh, her name is Shiloh. And um, now she's, a, she seems to be really strong now, mostly because, uh, well, her mom's strong. And so, um, when she was born, I, I told her older brother, she's got two older brothers, Connor and Caleb. I said, now boys, protect your sister, protect your sister. And now she's eight. And I'm like, boys, protect yourself. I got nothing for you. I, I don't even know what to tell you. We're all in this together, bro. Like I, I love but, but I know that society is going to try to squelch that. So as a dad, what do I do to teach my daughter to lead like a woman? Okay. When you see her using words and things that are, are probably an approach that, that puts men down or anything like that, you want to correct that. You don't want to squash the, um, the assertiveness, but you want to say, now, sweetheart, when you say it that way, uh, it could be perceived as that. You know, for instance, I would never, I've, my, I had good mentors. I would never tell a man, that's stupid or, you know, <laughs> you don't know anything. So I, I won't go that route. I'll just put forth my idea. So when you see her going that route where it, she tends to diminish men, you, she's not going to get anywhere doing that. They're just going to alienate her. So when you observe that behavior and you're in the best space because you're a man, you know, you know what right. turns men off. And I'll get criticism for this because one woman who has already reviewed the book says, well, it sounds like she's just telling us to cater to men. I'm not telling you to cater to men. I'm trying to tell you what works, what advances your ball down the court. So I can get anything out. I, I can get anything I need from men. I, I know that men like to be built up for the things they've done. And I'll say, I appreciate that. Listen, I have one of the best mentors right now and he's a very powerful man. But I went up to him and I said, I can't imagine. I can't imagine where I would be in life if I had if I had had you as a mentor all my life. 
I, can I just call you from time to time and pick your brain? He's my mentor now. He's gotten into some really good positions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. That was a manipulation. I recognized what he brought to the table and I needed Well, to- and you're not saying anything that's not true. Not- Thank you. <laughs> exactly. Right, right. I mean, a manipulation, I think, is oftentimes when we say something that's uh, just for the sake of what we want, what we really want. But the truth is, is it's not manipulation if, if what we're saying is true and we really mean it. Absolutely. Now, now, I, I, so true confession, this book was sitting on my desk. Uh, and, and when I, when it was on my desk, uh, somebody came into my office and said, well, that's a really interesting book for you to have. Oh, wow. Right. Well, because right. No, they didn't know it was for the podcast or anything else. <laughs> and that your team had sent it to me and uh, which I'm super thankful for and, and to dive into it. I, I think that there are a lot of men who may not pick it up uh, because it says lead like a woman and, and because of our deficiencies in, in just cultural awareness, that sometimes is a barrier. If, if a guy's listening um, one, why do they need to pick up the book? And two, um, how do we get past that natural resistance of gender as a as a barrier for learning, go back and look how Jesus used how Jesus uh, employed the women around him and how how he validated them, uh, even when one was caught in adultery. But here's the deal: men, we need men to validate us because we still mm. a, a part of us still would like to please a man. But but you need to be able to pull us out to say, listen, and 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 give us a chance. Uh, put a woman in charge of something and give her honest feedback. Don't don't tiptoe around the fact that she may get emotional if you say you need to correct something in this area. Because when you've proven that you are for me, then I'm more likely to listen to your input. But men really are reluctant to give women specific input. So women really never know what they've done that's not advancing their ball down the court. Don't just tell me I don't have executive presence or I need to be more forceful in a meeting. What does that mean? What does that look like? Tell me that, for example, when they said this, it would have been okay for you to say that because I know you are skilled in this area. Give us that kind of tutoring. We need it. We need it. I'll tell you that our, my marriage drastically changed when I decided it was just okay for my wife to have tears and I didn't need to do anything about it. Oh gosh. Yes. Like we, we could just get honest about it and she's allowed to cry. And and now, uh, you know, after I'm allowed to cry, you know, when, you know what I mean? Like, Hey, tears don't are just an expression of the passion of the moment. They're not necessarily a sign of weakness, which is kind of that the stereotyping stuff that we've got to figure out a way around. Right. And so we we can identify those that we've been socialized to think that men don't cry. You know, he's very strong. Well, that, that doesn't mean you're strong. That just means you've learned how not to cry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just strong. Right. <laughs> You know, you don't need to push down those emotions. Even if you are angry, you need to be able to say, I'm very upset about that. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very upset about that. It helps to get it out on the table. That's why I wrote a book called Confronting Without Offending. You need to be able to bring things to the table. Men are women. So I would encourage the men to really understand all the socialization. Think about all the biases you have, all the shoulds, what women should or shouldn't do. Reevaluate that. Because I asked one of my men that I interviewed for the book and I said, what would you say if you saw a man take a woman's point and she says, hey, I just said that. He said, I would say, what is her problem? (laughs) (laughs) Why would you say that's her problem? He took her point. He said, because that's just he said, because it's not ladylike. Now, this man is a coach to executives. And he says he would say, what is her problem? What's up with her? See what I'm saying? Yeah. One of the things I really struggle with is that. as a guy, I get, you know, I'm competitive if I'm aggressive and yet for my female colleagues, pastors, if they do the same thing, they get 
they get labeled the B word and, and it, it drives me insane. And I, I don't know how to, uh, cause I, I'm a, uh, I don't know if you studied the Enneagram. I'm a, I'm a type eight on the Enneagram. Okay. And so I like it straight. No chaser. Yep. Me too. Me too. I'm an, right? eight, on, I'm, I'm an eight on that as well. <laughs> and, and, and the truth is, is um, I, the, one of the most valuable things to me is when somebody just comes in hot and tells me how it is. Yeah. But everybody can't receive that because see if you have if you have high confidence and how self high self esteem mm-hmm. you can take criticism more. But if your esteem is low, that means somebody's just validated some low spot you already feel, so it just pushes you lower. Mm. That so that's why and a lot of women have low self esteem. Even women who are who are skilled, but when it comes to confidence and and thinking I can do it, it's like should I should I should I downplay my knowledge? I want them to think I'm trying to be. Uh, bossy. Yeah, I've been on prayer calls where somebody will let somebody else just go on and on. They won't tell them to stop. Time is up. And they said, because I don't want to seem like I'm trying to run anything. Hey, if I'm the leader, I'm trying to run stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Come on. (laughs) Leaders lead. I don't. And if I have to say I'm the leader, then I got a problem because if they don't know that based on my boundaries, based on my assertiveness, based on my setting guidelines, listen, you just got to start practicing. I did a, a, a teaching last night and I had four other women, all who like to talk. And I said, this is going to be a challenge because I told everybody they had 10 minutes. Well, one of them was so afraid that I was going to cut her off. She said, I'm going to stop now because I know you're going to cut me off. <laughs> I'm not going to cut you off. I'm going to make you mindful that you're 10 minutes are up and you're two minutes over. <laughs> See, I'm going to enforce the boundary that I already set. Yeah, exactly. So be comfortable setting boundaries and you don't have to set them like they're hard rules, but I'm going to need you to finish in 10 minutes because I have five of you and we only have so much time. And so I'm going to ask each of you to talk seven minutes and then allow three for questions. Is there, is there a question here? And one of them sent me her presentation. It was too long. I knew it was going to go over. And I said, so I summarized it. Here's your new chart. <laughs> <laughs> Because I said, I'd rather for them to leave with three things than the 29 you have on this list because you're not going to be able to cover them in seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you have to uh, leave. You have to leave. You have to leave with a smile, but a determination as well to make sure that you achieve the goal. Yeah. yeah. And, and I think uh, I think that there's some really great gifts in that and, and being um, the way that God designed you to be with some of the gifts that uh, women have that that men don't have and gifts that men have that women don't have. There, there is a, a beauty in all of that, that I think is, is so important. Um, okay. So a year from now, okay. what are we celebrating that God did through this book? Well, you like, can, I mean, what's, what's the big goal for this? The big goal is for women to step into their place unapologetically, totally aware of what they bring to the table. They now perceive that their merchandise is good. They know that when they come to the table and they are collaborative, that they're pulling people together. They know that when they come, they've sat there and listened to the point where they, okay, I'm, I'm, in, I'm being intuitive. I understand what's motivating that person. That's what we do. And then, you know, and at all times we, we maintain our principles. We don't do things that are, are contrary to the word of God to get ahead. We don't need to backstab. We don't need to do any of those things. That's worldly. When it's all said and done, promotion comes from God. So even if you are not in a, in a corporate America or whatever, even if you're at home, just being uh, leadership is influence. That's what my mentor, John Maxwell said. Leadership is influence. So even if you're just asking your husband to help me around the house, you, you know, you give him some options to say, here's some tasks that I'm going to need help with. Just choose. You know, you give them options because you know that's that's what works rather than saying you will now do this. That's what we learn as a woman, how to move, how to maneuver. That's what it means to lead like a woman. 
I love it. I love it. I love it. Uh, okay. So I know that my listeners are going to want to find you all over the interwebs. Where is the best place for them to start if they uh, want more of of all of this? Well, let's see. You can go to my name, uh, com. D-E-B-O-R-A-H. Pegay is P-E-G-U-E-S, com, And we have lots of materials there that will empower your walk with the Lord. And most of all, I just want to say, know that all things work together for your good. All the days are day for you already written in God's book. Don't be anxious about anything. Show up and expect God to show himself strong. I love it. I love it. Okay. So uh, the last question I always like to ask people is an advice question. And to give yourself one piece of advice, except I like to take you back to your um, to a particular place in time. And I, I know uh, from reading your bio and, and kind of diving into your story that you've led in some pretty high places. When you first stepped into your first executive job, if you could go back and talk to that version of Deborah, what's the one piece of advice that you would give yourself? I would be less direct as a younger person. I, I would learn to choose my words, which, which is why that has driven what I've written about. Mm-hmm. I would choose my words more. I would ask God what to say. Uh, when I'm upset, I wouldn't strike back. I used to strike back and would even sometimes be demeaning. Um, but I, w- I wouldn't go that route anymore. I would use my words to build and to even to help people, to nurture. I would do more nurturing. I, I wouldn't be so quick to say, you're fired, you're not qualified, or you're not doing the job. I, I would invest a little bit more time nurturing. I think that's probably a good word for a lot of people listening. Invest uh, more time in nurturing and, and choose your words to build. I think yeah. that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Deborah, thank you so much for the time today. I really appreciate it. And I'm praying for what God is going to do through this writing. I know it's going to be some amazing things. Thank you so much. I need it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what people are going to do during this COVID, but I know God is in control. <laughs> Amen. Okay. I told you that was such a great conversation with Deborah. I love the way that she talks about using your God-given strengths um, to kind of lean into what your God calling is. So many of us look in the mirror and don't think about how we're uniquely equipped to serve out the kingdom of God. And I think Deborah paints this picture so beautifully in this conversation and in her writing. So do me a favor, go pick up a copy of her book. Tell her how much you appreciated. Listen to her on the podcast and share this episode. Leave a rating, a review, get the word out about what God is doing on the podcast. It really does make a difference. And if you haven't signed up for our email list, come on, what are you waiting on? 66866, text the word reclaim to 66866. Get on the email list and uh, and come be a part of our community. God's doing something really cool here. And we're so thankful. I'm so thankful to have you be a part of it. See you guys real soon.